Welcome to the Man Up to Cancer podcast. I'm Trevor Maxwell. I'm a stage four colon cancer survivor, and I've got a message for other men. You don't have to go through this alone. What does it mean to man up to cancer? It means reaching out instead of isolating. It means having the courage to accept help along the way. To me, manning up isn't just about being tough. It's about knowing that we're stronger and smarter as a pack than we are as lone wolves. Welcome, everybody, to the Man Up to Cancer podcast bonus edition. We are fortunate to have Blue Note Therapeutics on board as a flagship sponsor. Blue Note is developing digital solutions that help cancer patients cope with the emotional distress of our disease. And anyone who follows me, uh, including a lot of you listening to this, you guys know that I have struggled here and there with uh, mental health during the three years that I've been fighting cancer. So this issue is very personal to me. Um, So for Blue Note, please check out their first product at covidcancercare.com. This is a free app that gives cancer patients and survivors exercises and strategies for coping with the double whammy of cancer and COVID. That's covidcancercare.com. So Blue Note connected with me last year. They asked me to be one of their patient advisors. And working with them has been an absolute highlight for me, personally and professionally. So what they're building really has the potential to change the way that cancer patients access mental health support. Today, I am chatting with Blue Note CEO, Jeff Ike and its head of finance and operations, Mark Elfers. Jeff and Mark, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Trevor. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Trevor. Absolutely. So before we jump into the amazing work you're doing with Blue Note, I have to geek out here just for one second. Let's get one thing out of the way. You both were fighter pilots in the Marine Corps, correct? Yeah, yeah that's Mark true. Was that's true. Than I was. That is a true statement. Wow. Is that is this some sort of weird psychological play going on here? That was like the first thing the first thing Jeff says is Mark was better. <laughs> well he he stayed at it a lot longer. <laughs> the other way to look at it is he needed a lot more time to get good at it. Probably fair. Yeah, I, I was always <laughs> Oh, sorry, is that Kenny Loggins coming in? I'm sorry. All right. I couldn't help myself because listen to this. I mentioned this fighter pilot thing on on your resumes. And first, I mean, thanks for your service as in the Marines. That's amazing. When you have fighter pilot on your resume, you earn infinite street credit with the men of our Howling Place group. You know, so you have that for life. I think the only activity that trumps maybe jet piloting might be grizzly bear wrestling. So have either of you done that as well? No. 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 no, no. I've They're seen Grizzly. There will be <laughs> no, no wrestling. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's keep it that way. Thank you for sharing a little bit about your awesome backgrounds. So, And we'll get into that a little more into the future on how you go from uh, flying jets to leading a company that is tackling mental health distress for people like me in cancer land. Let's just jump into it. Blue Note, you guys are focused on helping patients living with cancer and the distress that can come hand in hand with that, something that I've already talked about. I know firsthand. What have you guys learned about how prevalent mental health struggles are for cancer patients and survivors? Uh, well, you know, Trevor, I came into this uh, knowing um, I'm, a, I'm a couple of steps removed. So I, I really appreciate being able to talk to you and all, all of your listeners about cancer-related distress. But my wife's family was really shoved into the deep end of this, of this pool. Uh, she's had several uh, breast cancer scares over our nearly 24 years together. She lost her uncle to prostate. Uh, her mom suffered from uh, 
breast cancer and then made it out on the other side. Her dad also went through uh, about a prostate and came out on the other side, her grandparents as well. So there's so much cancer in and around our, our family um, that I, I I knew coming into Blue Note that the anxiety and fear is real, but talking to you, Trevor, and and your listeners and the patient advisors that we've been able to meet through our, our relationship really has put a, a much sharper point on that. Anyone walking into that, in, you know, in this experience is is nervous, they're scared, they're wondering how this thing ends. And if they do come out the other side of it in one piece, then they're worried, hey, when, when is this thing going to come back? That That's kind of how my take on it. Jeff? Yeah, for me, cancer came early in our life. Um, my cousin and um, really close friend had cancer, um, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma at age four. And uh, he survived as long as you could back then and set a lot of records. Um, he lived until he was 14. And um, it was just a part of life growing up. It was understanding what cancer was and um, what effect it had on families. And so um, I've always been interested in trying to improve my karma a little bit um, in life, I, maybe after flying airplanes and um, the opportunity to help cancer patients, people with cancer, families of people with cancer, um, just felt like a really good use of, of my professional time. Thank you guys for sharing that and, and the ways in which you've been touched personally. Um, you know, as a patient, I, I had no idea how prevalent the mental health struggles were. I mean, I guess I made an assumption, but when I started going through my own mental health struggles, I kind of felt like I was the only one, but you do learn how widespread it is. So let's talk about guys. My audience is a lot of men out there struggling with cancer and mental health. And one of the words that strikes fear in the heart of many men, therapy. It's fair. Uh, it's fair. <laughs> so we know that cognitive behavioral therapy and other types of therapy can be a huge help to men. And in some cases can literally save a man's life. Give us your takes on why you think this concept of therapy sends so many men running. Well, I mean, first of all, Trevor, you've you've been really instrumental in our learning uh, about this process, and I think I would just congratulate you on your candor and courage in in talking about the two aspects here. The first is the recognition of stress and distress. And then the second is doing something constructive and positive about it. And I think that's, you know, I, I learn a lot yeah. and I have the highest and deepest respect for, for what you have accomplished and, and others in this group. I think therapy and the concept of it sends me running too. Um, it's one of the things that, uh, you know, I'm most excited about with Blue Note and, and the use of technology is can the use of technology enable us to to learn new skills that we can apply, but in a way that is private and approachable. I think it would be a bigger hurdle for a lot of people to go into and find a coach or a therapist or a group session. And here there's a way that maybe um, we can help people who who are interested in a different way of of, of addressing this and, and recognizing the need and then, and then getting help in a way that works for them. Trevor, I think it's a, it, you know, as I listen to some of your other podcasts and, and reflect on some of the th stuff we've talked about, I, I think it's supernatural for guys to just grit through any emotional struggle, literally white knuckling <laughs> it, um, trying to right. like, hang on, um, <laughs> 
gritting teeth, trying to get through it. And, and, and really it comes down to none of us want to seem weak to or for those around us. We all want to be our version of Superman to our, you know, in, yep. in our dad's eyes, in our mom's eyes, in our spouse's eyes, in our kid's eyes. Um, we, we, that, that, that vulnerability of, uh, I mean, it just feels so counter to not only our culture in the U S but just, you know, what we're, what we're all born with realizing that bottling up those scary emotions, like being able to say, Hey, I'm really scared of, uh, uh this, this, yeah. this may not, uh, work out. Um, it literally kills us. It gnaws away at us. Agreed. Just like a, like an additional tumor, if you will. It 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 makes us less able to be a good spouse, a good dad, a good brother, a good friend. And raising your hand, like you've done on your podcast, <laughs> and just saying, "Hey, this sucks. I I need a minute. I I I need a hand here." Is sometimes the best first step towards being able to get some help in whatever, whatever mode that eventually takes, right? Like Jeff was saying, doesn't have to be sitting down with someone or on a couch, but just, just being able to say that in, in however, and whatever best way for that person. One of the biggest things I love about the products that you guys are bringing forward is that, and we're going to get into what that looks like, but it almost takes that. So there's that first barrier of a man acknowledging that he might need help. And accepting that help is like you just talked about, that is huge. And so if there are ways to ease that and to give him that help meet him where he is, it really is a, a new approach to, to therapy. And again, we'll get, we'll get into that in a minute. I will follow up with what would you say to, what's your message? What would you say to that guy out there who knows he's struggling, who's white knuckling, as you put it, Mark, with the mental health burden of cancer, but feels that therapy would, would be a weak move? Well, I might start and just say that from my perspective, maybe this reflects my own biases and that, that, that I'm working through too, is I think anyone with cancer and anyone listening to this podcast, I would say, be kind to yourself. Mm. I don't view this as a, a mental health issue per se. And I, I think mental health is really important. And I think that, that it is a real thing. But I really view cancer-related distress as something that is related to cancer. And I think mm. it's, an, an, at least to me, in my mind, it's an important distinction. And, and I would just hope that, that everyone listening to this is kind to themselves and acknowledges what m the magnitude of, of, a, of the challenge that you're going through and and not view this as a mental health issue, that this is a part of cancer and part of getting the cancer care that you need. Thank you for adding that. That's a really good way for me to help understand it as well and, and to reframe that, that word distress and specifically to cancer. That's something that hasn't been hit on in my perspective the way that it should be. So actually, let's just move forward because I, I do want to get into the nuts and bolts where you guys really tell our audience what it is that Blue Note is building here. So there's a phrase that I've heard a lot over the past year working with you guys, which is digital therapeutics. I hope that 10 years from now, everyone will know what that means. Right now, I'm fairly certain that very few people know what it means. I know in our group that people don't. So as an introduction, when we talk about digital therapeutics, what are we talking about? I'll start here. I think the digital part comes later in the story. Digital therapeutics are a new way to 
build and create therapeutic care that can be clinically validated, approved by the FDA, and used with a cancer team and a person who's working with their cancer providers. But to me, digital is just simply a way to increase access to hopefully also decrease stigma and make this more convenient and and fit within people's lives. People who, in many cases, don't want cancer to define their lives, and they have other interests and family and profession and pursuits, and we need to find a way to make the kinds of care that should be the standard of care in the United States accessible to all people. So I would just say the digital part, great. That's just kind of the how. What's really important Mm -hmm. is the what. And that is that every single American who is struggling with cancer at any stage in their journey has access to the best care in the world. And that's what we're trying to do. Trevor, maybe I'll pick up there and go with the why, because the folks that suffer from cancer-related distress, what Jeff and I have learned over this year and a half and uh, going on two years of, of studying this, are sicker than those folks that are treated. And the treatments that exist, although it's it's sometimes tough to have access to them, like Jeff was saying, there's treatments that exist that will help and improve cancer outcomes. So when you don't treat your cancer-related distress, you're in worse shape, not only not only mentally and emotionally, but medically. So what we see is in, in a ton of the research that we've we've looked at and studied and, and been taught by our by our uh, physician advisors is there's real links to medical health outcomes and cancer related distress. So more distress, less treatment, worse outcomes. Hundred percent. I mean, that's the same philosophy that Man Up to Cancer has with looking at the evidence around isolation. People who isolate going through cancer have worse outcomes. Um, all kinds of the bad stuff that we could get into, but yeah, so that's, thank you for pointing that out. So, cause when I think of, when I think of therapy in general or therapy for cancer related distress, I think of sitting down on a couch with a therapist, some might say counselor and working on something or, or in person and mostly zoom these days. But I think what you guys, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but it seems like you have scoured for the best models around cognitive behavioral therapy, other therapies, and taken sort of what has happened in the past and are now applying it to a whole new model that's going to be available through your products, like you said, through computer, mobile device, on people's terms, on their timelines, anywhere, anytime. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, we were really fortunate to be, I think, early into the space. And what we understood is that the government and universities across the country had been doing research to develop cancer-specific interventions. And really what we're doing is pretty simple. We're taking those experiences that you might get in a leading research cancer center and making those accessible to patients wherever they live. Veterans who are traveling long distances to get to a VA facility, People Mm. who are in underserved populations and communities of color that don't have access to the, the, the same amount of services that you might have if you were in a different place. You know, our view is that we can help expand access to the very same experience that you get in a top research center. And 
maybe for people who also wouldn't choose that particular approach, we can give them the capability to have those skills in their pocket and do it on their terms and in their time. And if we can accomplish that, that's a pretty darn good use of our effort. Yeah, absolutely. I get goosebumps hearing you say it, man. I mean, it's, that's awesome. I would love to hear the origin story, uh, just a, a little bit about how Blue Note Therapeutics came to be. Yeah, I mean, I can start. I was actually living in uh, Copenhagen at the time and um, was back over a, a holiday break and had a chance to meet with a, a couple of folks who were really interested in seeing if we could come together to do something important in cancer care. Um, doing a little bit of diligence, we understood that the National Academy of Medicine, NCCN, the American Society of, of Oncologists and, and others had begun to really describe what the standard of care should look like, but they were up against this, as Mark alluded to, this real supply-demand mismatch, that there were maybe 2,000 or so um, cancer-specific mental health professionals and about 1.8 million new patients and maybe 20 million Americans who were struggling with cancer at some part in their journey. You know, I think that's why I said digital isn't really the story. Digital is a solution. What we wanted to do was understand how we could complement all of the great work that's happening in research, that's happening in cancer centers, and come at this from a really complementary way that could make an outsized difference for patients. And we set out from the beginning, as you well know, because we reached out to you very early in the process, to create an environment where people with cancer could help us create these products. And I think we have really, you know, obviously we've got a lot of road to, to, to hoe, but we've made incredible progress in building products by, with, and for people with cancer and the healthcare professionals who care about those people too. And I think that's, um, that's been attractive. We have um, been able to recruit an absolutely top-notch team um, which is obviously makes all the difference in the world. We've been able to attract investors who see the potential and the opportunity to improve cancer care in a way that provides value for patients, for providers, and for payers. And it's just been an exceptional journey. Yeah, and I have to say, you know, as one of your advisors, it, it was clear early on, and a big shout out to Laura Shavery. I always mess up her last name. She'll correct me eventually when I see her. Uh, um, yeah, so, th you know, Laura, Laura, as the head of patient engagement, w was the one who who reached out to me and got me involved. And it has just been, uh, it was very clear that patients are, we are at the table. We have equal voices at the table. We are a, a core part of what you're doing, which says a huge amount uh, about you guys and the mission and, and hopefully around the success of it. Talk about your roles with the company and, and what your priorities are right now. Well, our priority right now is addressing the distress that exists in the environment today with our lead product, which we've pulled forward um, as a result of the pandemic. And you alluded to covidcancercare.com, which was a, an effort that was personal to us. I had a family member with um, a hematologic cancer in the middle of COVID and understood how difficult that was for, for her and also for our family. Um, so we've, we've, we've pulled products well ahead because of the pandemic, and we understand that people with cancer 
our experience in the pandemic in a in a uniquely challenging way. Um, so that's really what we're focused on. Um, we're focused on increasing access and working on ways to make sure that we can serve all communities in the U.S. And then and then understanding also that no one um, product or intervention is going to fit the bill for every person with cancer. And with Mark's help, um, we have secured a really attractive pipeline of interventions that we're in the process of building. So I feel really um, proud, motivated, and excited about the prospects of Blue Note. Um, Mark has an important role. Uh, mine is more in the overhead space, but, um, but, but I'll, let, I'll let him tell you about his role. You know, when, when Jeff was saying that we, we, this, uh, this problem has been stared at and, and folks have been working on creating solutions, what we found is that there's, there's a, a handful of cancer-specific face-to-face interventions that psychologists focused on cancer, and they call themselves psycho-oncologists. These, these psychologists, psychiatrists, oncologists have worked together over the past over 40 years to create these interventions, and then they've tested them with, with cancer patients, and then they've published uh, the results. So what Jeff and I kind of set out to do in the summer of 19 is find those interventions with some help from some of our advisors, and then reach out to those universities and say, hey, uh, this is us. Uh, and um, we'd love to make a completely digital version of your cancer-specific face-to-face intervention. And we we chose those interventions that had the best effect for the most amount of patients. So some some folks had a face-to-face intervention and then tweaked it a little bit for the breast cancer patient and tweaked it a little bit for late stage prostate cancer patients and tweaked it a little bit for the Spanish speaking population. It just, it just made sense to us that if you digitize that version, you can scale it and bring it to every patient instead of just those patients who live within 20 miles of one of those big cancer centers that's doing all this research, like Jeff has said. Uh, so, it, I mean, a, each one of those licenses takes has taken us about you know a year from the first email or the first phone call to those to those authors to the final uh to the to the final uh license being being given but but we created covid cancer care that's available at covidcancercare.com uh with one of those investigators who had been doing this for you know in this space for nearly 30 plus years. And Trevor, I'll, I'll stop there and, and, and see if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it totally does. And I mean, it must've been so validating to get the buy-in from those clinicians, those, those investigators who've been doing this in a totally different model for a long time with great results. But what was it like to get that buy-in and, 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 um, how exciting was that when, when you, when you found out that these clinicians were like, yeah, we let's, let's, um, collaborate on this. Well, yeah, it was really it was really fun and and you know we 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 didn't really have um because we're not I mean Jeff and I are not oncologists, we're not psychiatrists, we're not psychologists. It would be very easy for those guys to just been say, "Hey, look, um we're we're good." <laughs> um but what but what, especially when we showed up cuz you you know, you've got these two bald or nearly bald uh, ex-Marines, you, you, you could be taken aback, but, but, um, 
<laughs> yeah, you do see the but same when, barber. But, but, but we, <laughs> yeah, we we definitely see. I haven't seen I haven't seen the inside of a barber shop <laughs> in like twenty years. So, um, uh, but w- what what we found, and when you when you talk to these guys, like, hey, I know my stuff works. I know the book that I published helps. I know the training sessions I give to other young psychologists and psycho oncologists helps. But there's not enough of us. There is just simply not enough. So I, although I know my thing works, I know it's not getting to as many people as it could. So the, the, the time is kind of right for this idea. And Jeff and I came kind of hat in hand, said, hey, we want to learn from you. We want to make this thing a perfect digital replication and be able to scale the highest quality intervention. And like Jeff and, and you were talking about with Laura, make sure our patients are in the room from the first minute right. and are looking at every screen, every word all the way through and being able to kind of make their dream of of really making an impactful contribution to not only the science, but to the care of, of, of people with cancer, um, a reality. So once you kind of, once they understood where we were coming from, um, and once they understood that, Hey, we're going to clinically validate all of these, all of these devices, we're going to make sure that they no kidding work. And we have data to prove that they no kidding work. Um, they, they, they were, they were on board. We've got some, we got some support. And they figured out that you weren't going to go away. That probably helped. As that's well. right. Yeah, that's right. Well, you know, the ninth email, they're like, oh, what is it you really want? Why are you, why do you two keep, why do you keep We're a little persistent, us? but the other thing is when one of us shows up and then the other one, the next time, nobody really knows that it's the other person. So we have that kind of effect on people. If we both wore like, a Good blue Oxford you. shirt, people start handing us their empty beer pints. They're like, can we get another round real quick? <laughs> so... So you came out with covidcancercare.com. You pushed that up so that it would be available to people during the pandemic. And I personally have been using it. It was part of the development, obviously. And then a user, I know other people who have used it with you know good results. Tell us about what else is in the pipeline, what you're excited about. What are the Blue Note products that we are going to be seeing come out soon? Yeah. So as Mark mentioned, we, we, we really had the opportunity being first in the space to look for the most evidence-based highest treatment effect interventions. And so that has guided our, our thinking, but in terms of where we want to play, we know we want to play in, um, uh, you know, a number of different aspects of, 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 of people with cancer's journey. And so we're targeting, um, both early stage and advanced cancer, we want to understand outpatient and inpatient, how we can be helpful and meaningful with these interventions. We also want to be meaningful in, um, in survivorship and, and understanding that there are a, a set of unique stresses that exist also there. And so I describe that as kind of the four corners of the, of the, of the football field, right? And, and making sure that we can, we can start with those four corners and then work inwards to make sure that we're also addressing people who may not speak English as a first language or people who um, have disabilities and, and need to be able to interact differently with the technology to be able to, to participate. So those are the things that we're really focused on. And again, with that goal that every American with cancer um, has access to the top standard of care. And, and that's our goal and we're not resting until we get there. 
Awesome. And Trevor, to build on COVID cancer care, you know, COVID cancer care really we were, we 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 wanted to make something that would allow people, you know, in the in the in the pickup line for your kids at 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 pickup, or if you were if you just had five minutes and you wanted to review one of the meditations, um, it was really just an introduction to what what eventually became our. Uh, one of our first products that is the exact digitization of a 10 session, 10 week in person, um, experience that, that, that people would, um, uh, experience. And, um, so that where COVID cancer care can be a 20 minute or a 30 minute experience. Uh, our first products will be a much longer process that, that the patients can go through and build, additional skills and be introduced not just to coping skills but to how we're thinking about how we're thinking and how to engage your social support or how to develop deeper coping skills so it's it's really if you think about covid cancer care it's really just a taste of what our future products are going to bring awesome and and one thing that really excites me as a patient is down the road some of your products are going to have this patient cohort piece of it. So if you're in this 10-week session uh, and you're going through this therapy, you also are connected with other patients and you can develop friendships and, and go through it. So so you don't have to go through it as an individual. Certainly, if you want privacy and don't want to interact with others, that's fine. Uh, people make that choice. But then others like myself are really looking and craving that interaction with other cancer patients. And that's going to be part of what you're going to be coming out with, right? Yeah. And Trevor, you taught us this, right? So so here's the other important thing is not only will future users of our technology be able to engage with people who are going through similar circumstances, learning the skills at, at, at similar times and applying them um, in their lives, but it gives an opportunity for people like you who have these skills and experiences to be able to give back and to be able to help lift up the entire community. And I think we look, I mean, the research is clear, but 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 the research was a lot less of a of a hammer to the forehead than you all teaching us how important it is to give back and to, if I can mix the metaphor, pay it forward for others. Um, and I think being able to take advantage of that opportunity to to really build community around these skills and and around the application of those um, is is exciting for us. We set out with when you and the other patient advisors that we were talking to early days kept telling us like I, I don't want to be in a group with someone who isn't on this kind of journey. Um, if 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 you're not if we're not really talking about cancer related distress, I I don't think I'm really engaged. Right. So the the way we've approached it uh, in our product is to make sure that this cohort lives within our our product, and you're not getting spammed with strange hmm. or undesired uh, uh, marketing <laughs> uh, while you're in the app or there's there's people that that said they were something and 
but really aren't, and they're in their kind of looky-loo, what, what's going on in here, or trying to gather data on 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 folks' interactions there. It's a it's a it's a super private part of this prescription digital experience. Um, and, and we just think that is a really important part of, of the, of the entire experience. We want to make sure it's a safe place for folks to be real and authentic and not wonder if their data is being shared in, in a weird way, or am I going to get marketed to by someone be, because I'm, I'm, I'm being vulnerable in this group. Thank you for that, because as someone who's experienced all those pitfalls in other <laughs> spaces of cancer land, I appreciate it. I just want to circle back a little bit on the two of you. So how did the two of you meet? How long have you been friends? Well, friends is that you got to be friends. Careful. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so uh, I've known Mark since 1995 when we showed up in Quantico for um, our, our basic training and we wow. both had names starting with an E and, and it turns out we also had ears that generate lift and they put us in the same <laughs> cinder block room um, and I got to be his roommate through, I don't know, a better part of a year of, of oh, I'm sorry. carrying a rifle and a, and a yeah, path it's a shame. Virginia. It's a shame. Wow, that's yeah, a... and, and then we and then we moved uh, out of we left Northern Virginia and then we moved to Pensacola where we started flight school together. We went through the first couple bit of flight school as a roommate as roommates and then uh, we we uh, separated for a bit. Came back together in Kingsville, Texas. Uh, kept learning how to fly, uh, literally just trying to figure it out. You know, um, and uh, then both ended up in Eastern North Carolina, where we learned how to fly uh, for the Marines because this was all Navy flight school up until then. Yep. And then parted ways, at, like like you do. Um, shoot, Jeff, I'm I'm thinking like from from '99 for like 10 years, probably we didn't eat, our paths didn't cross at all. Then our paths crossed for a second, and then there was another like eight year eight-year split. So it's kind of on and off for those those nearly 25 years. Yeah. It's proof, though, that you know it takes you about five minutes um, when you've got that kind of a shared background to catch up on everything. Mark officially right. made me feel old, though, because his oldest daughter, who's um, now in law school, when I, I think I remember last seeing her, she was an infant, and we used to carry her around in the little tiny infant car seat. <laughs> yeah. So all of a sudden, I was like, ooh, Someone just got old, <laughs> and it wasn't Julia. You know how your friends' kids stay infants until you see them next time. You're like, "Well, how did you become 15?" Oh, it's been 15 <laughs> years since I saw you. <laughs> That's right. One more question about Blue Note, and then I didn't prep you guys for this, but I am putting you through the gauntlet of random questions. <laughs> I mean, that's just what we do here on the Man Up to Cancer podcast. But the last thing is, so, I mean, and you've talked to, you've touched on this throughout this episode, but let's just finish up by me asking you, when you think about the mission of Blue Note, the thing that gets you up in the morning and you're driving for it and what you hope to accomplish, what are you most hopeful about today? Trevor, one of the, th one of the cool things about, or, or it's not really a thing yet, but it's this idea that one day you meet someone uh, you know, maybe it's five years from now and they tell you about their journey and they mention this product that's a, 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 a uh, it's, it's right on their phone mm -hmm. and it's been really helpful and they have no idea that I'm uh, involved at all with Blue Note and it's just everywhere. 
And it's just every like if you if you if you join a cancer community and and you you meet someone, they're like, yeah. I mean, the thing really helped me. I I started with their with their outpatient clinic, mm-hmm. and then it, and then I used their survivorship thing. And when it came back, I used their late stage thing. And man, oh man, I don't know what I would do without that. Like that yeah. that image, that five year image, um, is the thing that that uh, that keeps me. Really, just leaping out of bed at, at you know stupid o'clock every morning because like I th- I think it's one hundred percent in our reach. The technology is there, the science is there, the support of the oncology community is there, and and the support of the patients that we've gotten from you and your listenership um, with with Laura's help, Trevor. It's like I I know we're on the right path. It's just now it's just about getting the work done because there's 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 no there's no uh, it's it's you can only underestimate the challenges with trying to r- roll something out, out this like this in U.S. healthcare, um, but but I know we have a problem and we have a solution and together we can get it done. For me, it's it's still really personal. My cousin's name was Brett, and um, he's the bravest person I've ever met, and I miss him, and um, and I do this in part to honor him. My aunt and uncle. Brett's parents were over, I don't know, a weekend or two ago, and um, we were talking about Blue Note, and they were excited, and and um, and I'm really proud to be able to say, you know, what we're doing and why we're doing it and for who we're doing it. Um, my aunt reminded me that Brett would have been in kindergarten when he started chemo, um, and they didn't tell him uh, that he was going to chemo, um, or they did tell him, I guess, that the night before that he was going to go to chemo in the morning and, and he wouldn't be going to school. And uh, she reminded me that after that first session, he asked them, he would have been, you know, four or five years old, um, mom and dad, please don't tell me before chemo ever again. I don't want to know ahead of time. And she just said, that was what cancer-related distress looks like, even for a very, very young kid. And it just struck me that if we can make a difference in 20 million American lives or some hopeful subset of that 20 million American lives, what an opportunity this is. And, you know, our team has heard me say this, there's nothing else we could be doing with our time that would be a greater force for good than this. And that just feels great. Wow. You two can both drop the mic on that one. Perfectly said. I before I start getting emotional, I'm going to have to move on to the gauntlet of random questions and my <laughs> and my refuge of humor. Nice. Nice. I like it. Let's do it. Anything else? You know, is there anything today? I'm, I'm sure that we're going to be talking again in the future, but is there anything today that we didn't go over that our audience really needs to hear at this point? I'll offer one. And it's with a lot of humility that there's a lot we don't know. And we're going to need some help from the people listening to this podcast to really help make sure that we're designing products that can help people with cancer. We're going to need input from patients all along the road here, by, with, and for. And if you have an interest, you mentioned Laura Chavery. She's fantastic. And if there's an opportunity that people want to help, want to weigh in, want to contribute, want to edit, want to tell us what we're not doing right, we're all over it. And, And we need all the help we can get. Thanks for for offering this last thought, yeah. Trevor. I think for for me, it's if if there's someone out there that's listening to this and it's just on the on the edge of the of the campfire ring, if you will, but but not yet in the light. 
of, of the campfire yeah. of the howling place and just kind of observing and knows, yeah, I'm really, really struggling, but I don't want to say anything because I, I don't want to, I don't want to feel, seem, uh, appear, you know, for me. And it's one of the things that I've been able to, 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 to try to, uh, internalize just how am I showing up at my best for my wife, my kids, my teammate, myself? Um, am I taking care of everyone, including myself, as well as I can? And if you think that the answer is, well, maybe I could be doing a little bit better, maybe I could be showing up a little bit better, then like step into the light of that campfire, join the howling place or reach out to us. There's, there, there are ways to get, to get some, some teammates in this fight, you know, reach out to Trevor. It's, it's better in the light. Thank you. Absolutely. I'm taking you into the gauntlet. Now I have four questions. Each of you, each of you get an opportunity to answer. These are rapid fire. I know you guys are thinkers and you have very large brains, but you're going to have to put that aside and just go with your reptilian instinct here. Okay. If you could be any athlete for one event, so this could be past, current, any athlete for one event, who would it be? Jeff, why don't you go first? Wayne Gretzky, Stanley Cup Finals. No no doubt. I'm a hockey player. Hard to argue with that. Good answer. Mark? I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. I grew up about three miles from, oh, I'm from Ben Rich Again, Stadium. I'm very sorry. Uh, uh, Jim, Jim Kelly, uh, played more professional football games in his career at that time than, than anyone else. And I, and I think his leadership of that team, uh, even though there, there are certainly struggles, Ugh, he's um, awesome. He that's, he's just, just a great human being. And to see the bills do so well last season, yeah. that would be my guy. Well, as a Patriots fan, my, my gear closet with all the championship stuff was getting so burdened at this point that i'm ready to i'm willing to pass the torch over to, to the bills we have a lot yeah. of bills mafia in the howling place uh, <laughs> it, there's like a little collection there bills mafia that's that that's for sure you know i mean new england or new england would be great if it weren't for the new england fans you know that would be the whole <laughs> the whole pro right it would be great 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 to support a team if if it weren't for if it weren't for the other people that were supporting it with you that's amazing <laughs> yeah thing, absolutely right? moving on to Jeff and maybe only Jeff uh, <laughs> all right next, second question what place in the world would you most like to visit that you have never been to before oh I this totally got this guys. one Svalbard which is a island north of the Arctic Circle. I am a I'm a dark person in many ways, and I love living in the dark up in Scandinavia. Yep. And I want to go even further north, and and I really enjoyed uh, being above the Arctic Circle and meeting the people who lived there in 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 Sweden and Norway and in Finland. And uh, that hands down, that's that's where I'd, I I might just set up a yurt there and stay there. Awesome. Uh, and. Um, <laughs> Jeff's always somehow talking about a yurt. Um, <laughs> I, I know one thing: if he's there, he will be alone. I was say, are you his going family with him? has made it clear. <laughs> now his family's made it clear oh, yeah, that there is no yurts in their no. future. Um, so uh, our family lived in Okinawa, Japan, for a couple few years while we were in the in the Marines, and and that kind of islandy uh, place was great. But I think for for me, uh, a trip to northern. 
Japan, uh, I, the Japanese culture. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I love it. It's so beautiful up there. Um, I think the combination of the culture and the terrain and the, the weather, the, I mean, I just, I, I would love to spend a long time up there kind of exploring. Uh, so that's my answer on that one. Awesome. This is, uh, this is a go-to question on on our podcast. If you could only choose one weapon to use during the zombie apocalypse, what would it be? We've had some really creative answers on this one from uh, Carol Motika is the legend. She said mosquito repellent. I'm not really sure if she knows something we don't, but um, all right. So you're in the zombie apocalypse. You can only choose one weapon to, to defend the world. What's uh, Jeff going with? Well, the problem you're asking the guy that flew an airplane that dropped fun things um, off of it, I, I would, I'd go with cluster bombs. I think it's the most effective way <laughs> to deal with zombies. <laughs> I don't know if I can ever ask that question again. No, I, you probably yeah, took the wrong audience yeah, to ask this yeah, question. Yeah. Mark can get even more technical. He's actually like really good yeah, at this stuff. No. Yes, yes, and um, <laughs> all, all, all good things. That the, but I, I'm thinking there's not, not everyone knows this, but zombies can hear a dog whistle and it makes their heads explode. So if you if you have a dog whistle, you can just walk through zombies like the whole zombie flood and just keep dog whistling and it head explode body. I mean, it's that's that's what they needed during Game of Man, Thrones during right. that one Ice King battle at, at Winterfell. That's like one dog whistle had the whole thing nailed. See, to anyone who says that Man Up to Cancer doesn't offer practical solutions to the problems See? that we that's face, what I'm saying. we've got the, the cluster bomb. Wait, what's it called? Yeah, that's it. Cluster, <laughs> cluster, cluster bomb it's a cluster. and the dog whistle. It's a cluster. <laughs> we've got it. Our base is covered. All right, guys, this is the last question of the gauntlet. Between the two of you, who would win a Harrier Jet Skills competition? Oh, oh that's interesting. I would. So Mark should I win would. by all um, measures. He was um, an instructor in air-to-air and did all kinds of great things in the airplane. Um, I feel I, like you're going to drop the hammer on him right yeah, now, Yeah, the thing is, like, he's prone to, to mistakes, though. Um <laughs> And uh, it turns out we got our wings on the same day in the same flight. We were doing air to air. And Mark was amazing in the airplane. I mean, he didn't even like, you know, go unconscious in the airplane at all. <laughs> but coming back to the field, that time. He, he landed on the wrong runway. So, I mean, I don't know how you score that. He's vastly more capable, you know, but for those, those small things. It, that is a true story. That is a 100% true story. And I think the only reason Jeff left the Marine Corps at about year 10 instead of staying and, and commanding a squadron like I did is the only reason is that that was his best flight ever <laughs> on that winging day. It just uh, from then it was pretty much pretty much a plateau. It didn't. So by the by the year ten, he's just like, well, I, I'm I'm obviously out of <laughs> ideas here. So I guess I better go change the world in healthcare, uh, and 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 leave Mark to uh, to fly in airplanes. So I think I'm hearing from Mark that the answer is Mark. Jeff, I'm still not sure on. <laughs> I think Jeff should go with Jeff, and then you guys can just have you know. We we did different things in the airplane in different places, so. Um... <laughs> Yeah, for sure. That's a, that, that, that's fair. God. Jeff won't tell you this, but he w- he was also one of the guys. If you watch any of the any of the naval aviation shows, Jeff was the guy that not only brought people back to the ship safely, but taught 
all of those people how to do it safely. So it's called a training landing signals officer or a training LSO. So in the old World War II shows with the guys with the little paddles out there helping people land, like that was that was something that Jeff did extraordinarily well and then went to our training squadron and then taught wow. a couple generations of Harrier pilots how to land at the ship. Um, so that was something that Jeff got really, really, really good at. And it takes a, a, a super trained eye to know when someone needs just a little bit more power, a little bit more coaching, or is, uh, is, is, is needs a little bit of, of love to bring them back to, to, to the ship. So it's something that, that, that he really got really good at. So it, it was fun to, fun to watch him do that. So despite your protests, clearly this friendship and this team is just firing on all cylinders because I am pretty good at stirring up the pot and you're, you're not taking the, you know, they're not going away from this with hard feelings. There's no anger. There's no, I don't see anyone like getting all red. So disappointment to me, but it proves that the, the blue note team is on the same page. <laughs> oh no, but you, you haven't met the rest of the team on the podcast. You, you got to get, get the rest, rest of, the team, of them yeah, on. For Michael's sure. ready to come. Laura's ready to come. <laughs> Jen's ready to come. Diane, uh, Maliki, you all can right. get the whole crew. We'll see what we can do. Maybe we'll go with like one of those, yeah, like the giant Brady Bunch screen and just get everyone on here. (laughs) In all seriousness, you are doing world-changing work. And I am honored to be part of it. And for on behalf of a patient and a patient's family, thank you for doing what you do. Thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you also for supporting the Man Up to Cancer mission. I couldn't be doing what I'm doing without your support. So it means a great deal to me. And um, we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Trevor. And thanks to all of you that are listening as well. Thanks a lot, man. We'll talk to you soon. If you have questions or want to get in touch with the Blue Note team, you can email help at bluenotetx.com. That's help at bluenotetx.com. Thanks for listening to the Man Up to Cancer podcast. If you want to get behind our mission, you can connect with us, subscribe to our email list, and check out our other content at manuptocancer.com. And if you know a man struggling with the isolation that cancer can bring, let him know about us. The Wolfpack doors are always open.